Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Chris Evans here. Welcome back to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky. Coming up on the show, Hollywood superstar Miles Teller has us giddy with excitement ahead of the release of Top Gun Maverick. 36 years on after the original film, he plays Son of Goose Rooster. Comedy genius James A. Caster makes his belly laugh with his appearance on Mastermind and the latest series of Hypothetical. Brilliant British actor Anne-Marie Duff sprinkles clues about starring in Channel 4's brilliant new eight-part thriller, Suspect. And writing whereas Anthony Horowitz turns the pages of his final James Bond novel with a mind to kill. All of that and so much more to come. So let's kick things off. Aussie Jane, who's first? He's wowed us in the Oscar-winning Whiplash, starred in a Taylor Swift music video, and this superstar certainly isn't slowing down. In fact, he feels the need, the need for speed, in one of the world's most long-awaited sequels, Top Gun Maverick, which touches down in cinemas next Wednesday. It's the mighty fine Miles Teller. Good morning, Miles. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Virgin Radio. Welcome to the top of the town. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So we broadcast our show um, from a, a high uh, position than um, you spend most of the film. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were pre- we were pretty low. This would be uh, yeah, this would be at the at the higher altitude that we filmed at for sure. Right, you've made some amazing films already. Of course, you have. But what what has it been like being part of Top Gun Maverick? For heaven's sake! Right. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's just now I think starting to really hit me as far as the the anticipation and 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 the fan base i mean everybody talks about marvel fans and comic book fans but the top gun the top gun crew is is ready you know they're loud and they are they're coming out in full force and being able to kind of travel the world with tom and see the fanfare that comes along with tom cruise he's one of the most beloved you know stars we we've ever had so it's been it's been really special because no matter you know who he is uh, and what he's done and uh, what an amazing legacy he already has and he's still very much around he still puts the hours in doesn't he he still does all the heavy lifting and more he's a great example of, of leadership for sure and i think he i mean he uh yeah, he just elevates everybody around him. He's the, he's the hardest working guy. He's um, he knows everybody's name on set. He always impressed upon me and everybody, you know, how important manners are and there's there's ways to go about this business. Um, but he leads from the front, and because he's actually in this movie doing all the flying, uh, he's doing more flights than, than anybody. But also that really kind of um, in, embedded the new pilots with him as well, because he knew what we were going through. The director, none of the crew, they weren't up in these jets. It was a couple of us, and then Tom. So he was a he was really just a wonderful ally. To have, and now, and now I consider him, you know, uh, a really close friend, which is nice. How did you get the gig? I just paid somebody. <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta know how you to sell the bill. All the right your family's person. houses. Yes. Just get yeah. me in this film. As many houses <laughs> as I could sell, I did. Uh, no, I. So the director Joseph Kaczynski, he and I worked on a film together. Uh, the title in the U.S. was only "The Brave." I'm not sure what it was here, um, or maybe it was the same, but it was about wildland firefighters. And apparently, he met with Tom 
a, a while ago and he brought him like a photo of me and then he he pitched this idea of of uh of goose's son rooster being kind of that thread storyline with maverick and this and that so i would say really it was it was joe and then i had to i had to go audition for tom and jerry bruckheimer and then that was that was a pretty that was a pretty tight room that was uh and that must have been a few years ago now yeah, I mean, so we shot it, we started filming it four years ago, yeah. and then we finished it three years ago. So yeah, I would say it was probably about four and, four and a half years ago. So you're just ago. out of your 20s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which yeah. is why you look, because <laughs> we said, you know, look, you know you're know, you 35 now, so, yeah. but he looks 28, 29 in this film. Well, because he was almost 28, Well, also, 29. I think that's because I was so tan. Yeah. And I think if you're tan enough it can hide some hide some pain a little yeah. bit. And and also the the um the the sort of uh, manifestation of, of your mustache. It was it's a youthful looking mustache in the film yeah. if you know what I mean. It's like yeah. you, you one can barely grow a mustache in, in one's <laughs> one's more tender years. Yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, I have a lot of buddies that are that are in the navy and so that's called that's called a boat stash and uh, you know with that was something I didn't feel like I really had to, you know, kind of imitate Goose in any way. But what is so important is that as soon as my character walks on screen, that you know, even if you haven't read about it, you know, as soon as I walk into the bar, you're like, oh my God, that's that's got to be Goose's so kid. Good, man. He's got the look and the Hawaiian shirt and a bit of that same, I think, kind of vibe in the beginning. And he's got the hunky tunky piano skills and the karaoke skills. Oh to yeah, go with. man! What a yeah. scene that is. Yeah, that was. Um, I'm glad I. You know, I'm glad I kept up with my piano a bit from when I was younger. Oh, mate, that, that's such, you know, because there are flash, you know, we won't get, well, I'm not going to give it, how much do we give away? Don't, but don't give that part away. Okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, okay. So cool. It's such a cool film. <laughs> uh, so, but um, I do play and sing Great Balls of Fire. In, you in the certainly movie. do, my yeah, friend. That, you that, certainly that we can do. Um, so Rachel is going to see the, uh, she's going to go to the premiere on Thursday. Which oh, the, nice. Which they're already building the um, the sort of infrastructure for outside Leicester Square. I've never yeah. seen that before. So I, every morning I run through Leicester Square. Oh, nice. And the Downton film, you know, they were building it the day before. This is three days before. That's a big build out there, yeah. man. Well, it's Tom Cruise, I'd expect. And his nothing boss, else. Tanner, I mean, and his Top Gun. You saw him at the Jubilee. I mean, it's a big... It's it's a big deal. Yeah, so so Aston and I have seen the film. Rachel hasn't seen the film. Uh, she's taken a 13-year-old on his birthday to go and see the oh, film, perfect. which is awesome. It's a great age for it. Um, of course, now he was doing his homework at the weekend, so he watched the original Top Gun. Oh, so, okay. so you say there's a fan base out there, but yeah. there's all these new fans as well. I mean, this is why it could be one of the biggest films of all time. That's what I think, too. Um, I, I, I agree, agree with you. I agree with you. I agree, I agree with me. <laughs> and, um, and Rachel was saying uh, he couldn't believe there wasn't any CGI. Yeah, so we watched the original and then we watched the trailer for right. the new one. Yep. And I was telling him there's no CGI. They are flying those planes. Yeah. He just could not get he his head around it yeah. at all. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I mean. And that was a big reason Tom has said ever since 1986 when the original came out that people have been asking him when he was going to do a sequel, when he was going to do a sequel. And he just never felt like it needed to be a franchise um, by any means, but one of the biggest things for him to be able to do this next one, he said the technology has to be there, and he said we're going to be up in the Jets for real. Everybody's going to be up in the Jets, and I think when Paramount first heard that they were going to put a bunch of actors in F-18s with with Top Gun pilots, um, and we are going to film it, I, I, I think they thought it was impossible, but I don't think that word, I don't think Tom knows the definition of, um, you know, 
impossible or something that can't be done. He really just sees it as as just the details haven't been worked out yet. And it's not a sequel. It's not a sequel. I think it's th- it's a therapy session uh, for what happened in, in the first movie. That's why like, it doesn't have that sequelness about it. No, I know. It's I different. It's just yeah. different. It's a part two. It's a you know, it was the film that we didn't know existed, but obviously always did in some people's minds. And thankfully, you've you've all brought it to life. I can see your team here who've come with you. You all are like you're you've been working really hard. Well, over it's the, the jet lag. Some of them. Uh, couldn't go to, didn't go to bed till about 5 a.m. And then we're in my room at, you know, 7 a.m. Yeah, so what are you going to do? That's it. Show um, business. Well, give my love to your mum, dad, and your sister. Will Have a do. great week here. And congratulations, Miles. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's really fantastic. Thank it's you. Fantastic. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. His appearances in Bake Off and Mastermind are nothing short of iconic. With the fourth series of Hypothetical beginning tonight at 10pm on Dave, he's now the one doing the interrogating. Posing all the absurd theoretical questions you could ever need, it's King of the Flapjack, ice cream expert and comedy genius, James A. Castor. All right, James. That's a lovely intro. It's not a bad intro. Is that your coat on the floor? Um, it's uh, no, it's a freebie. It's a, a brace of freebies. That's humongous. Uh, well, it's a dry rope. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's something you get out of cold water from and just climb into. Right. Well, that makes sense because yeah. that looks like it looks like a full rug. It's That's a, like it's humongous. a great British invention uh, by a guy called Gideon who invented it with his mum because his yeah. mum was he was a surfer and his mum was fed up of wrapping the towel around him. Uh-huh. So then she got a hole in the top of the towel and he, he said, "Well, we're halfway to an invention here." And then she was a seamstress, <laughs> so she she sewed the uh, the sort of um, towel with a hole in it into the inside of an anorak, and it worked for him. And half a million sales later. Wow, not many people invent something with their mum, I'd say. It's very rare that <laughs> well, you Well, we don't that. know for sure. Well, Do it we? sounds like he invented it with his mum. Yeah, we don't know with the other ones that could have always Yeah, that's been. what I'm the, saying. The old mum getting involved. Um, could be a new specialist subject next time you appear on Mastermind. Yeah, I could do that coat. James, you smashed it, man. Thanks, man. I uh, you know what? Not bad. <laughs> I, I, I quickly, quickly revised in the... Uh, in the dressing room right. and suddenly panicked and realised I haven't revised for this. Main reason I said yes to it yes. was because, A, the charity gets the same amount of money no matter what, yep. so I didn't really have to revise, and, B, they film it in Belfast and they've got really good seafood chowder there. So I wanted to go and get a nice chowder, which and, I did, by the way. And the thing about Mastermind is, having done uh, the Millionaire programme a couple of times myself, oh. the, the worse you do, the less you're on. But, of mm. course, in Mastermind, nothing changes because you get your two minutes either way, don't you? You get two minutes yeah. general knowledge, you get your two minutes a specialist, you get your chat. It's yeah. the same for everyone. So it's a very wise move, James Acast. Yeah, it's very wise. I think <laughs> the people who did revise just... It looked a bit... You know, in, in the morning, we had to go to a briefing, which, if you've been on Mastermind before, they brief you like you're about to... like. It's like the most serious thing ever because the fans are very... Uh, very angry if they think anyone's cheating and Phil Wang was revising in the briefing and Michelle Gale went over to him and tried to say hello and he went it's exam day and wouldn't speak to her so everyone thinks that Phil's a nerd and uh, I personally am glad I'm not Phil Wang did Wang win it? Yeah, Wang won, but at what cost? Yeah, well, he didn't wing it, did he? He didn't wing it. But Wang did win it. Yeah. Win it, in the end. Wang, no, Wang, Wang didn't win it, he won it. This, no? this guy's oh. done it, over here. He what? did it, he did it. Yeah, uh, it was in Manchester when I did it, and they do, they, I mean, they won't even let you know who's filming the other episodes yeah. that day. Sure. And they, I mean... Why not? And, and they, take you, they take you to a different time zone when the other contestants are on, so that you don't even know how well they do. Like you say, yeah. they do take it very seriously seriously in that briefing it kind of it, I was sort of looking forward to it until the briefing sure and then suddenly I got scared 
Well, do you know what they they based it on? The whole the whole format comes from is that the guy who came up with the format for Mastermind was genuinely um, captured during a war and interrogated, and while he was being interrogated, thought this will be a good format for a TV show, and it's all based on the techniques that he had to undergo during that. So they're getting in your head from day one, right? Man. Now I don't know whether you're making that up or not because you made some up. amazing answers to the ice cream specialist subject. See, you could have had your specialist subject as mastermind. I wish I had. Do you know what I wanted? As my, they wouldn't have, let me have my actual specialist subjects. I had to go through quite a few. My initial one I wanted was the comedy of Nish Kumar. That's what I wanted to do because he's my friend. They wouldn't let me have it, so I changed it to the comedy of Ed Gamble. They wouldn't let me have that. At one point, I was going to do a Radiohead album because the drummer from Radiohead was going to be on, but then he cancelled. So we ended up at History of Ice Cream. I didn't revise it. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are. Anyway, you're not allowed to talk about Mastermind. No. Has it aired enough. yet? Has it been on that? Oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's aired. Yeah, okay. yeah. All I mean, right. what, Mastermind? Well, not your, your I'll episode. I'll tell you what, if my episode of Mastermind hadn't aired, I'd have been absolutely flabbergasted by your research. I'd <laughs> well, have been no, like, how do they know all this stuff already? Get, no, but we, get, we get preview copies. We get advanced copies. Oh, yeah, copies. you get your previews of Mastermind? Yeah, in, fact, we, in fact, the, the <laughs> copy of uh, the episode of Hypothetical was a special don't show this to anybody else. Oh, yeah. But what is it with TV? You can't yeah. tell this. You can't know where the other testants are concerned. If, if you watch this with anybody else, you know, then, then it'll blow up in your hands and that'll be the end of your hands. Yes. Um, Hypothetical's like the MCU, man. We can't be leaking anything about well, hypothetical. People, people want to know who are the cameos, what's going on. Well, look, it's in season four, so and it's on Dave, and it must be so. It must be doing all right. It's been nominated for awards. It does extremely well, um, viewing wise, over over on Dave. Um, and it's you and your pal Josh, but it's not your show. It's his show, isn't it? So he invented it and then employed you. Yes, Josh Widdicombe invented it from the mind of Josh Widdicombe, <laughs> right. and then also from the mind of Josh Widdicombe came me. So right. they're, they're, oh, I got involved. So, so what's the premise for people who don't know? Because we need to not preach to the choir, but we need to convert. People yeah, we're not program. here to preach to the choir. We basically ask them hypothetical questions, hypothetical scenarios, pose them to them, ask them how they deal with it. Um, ask them, like, if you had to get a selfie with Nicolas Cage in less than 24 hours, how would you do it? <laughs> um, that's just one example. Uh, and, like, just constant silly questions, and they have to improvise it. They don't know any of the questions in advance, and it's all comedians having to think on their feet while we make it more difficult for them. So, so I mean, the Nicolas Cage question is a great question. Mm. Um, and it's all about the question in, in a way, isn't it? You know, it's a bit like Tasman. So, you know, it's so it's so important what you decide uh, to 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 ask these people to sort of embark upon, whether it's you know a physical challenge or a conversational challenge or a mental challenge or a mm. witty challenge. How would you answer the Nicholas Cage question? First of all, I guess I'd phone his agent. I'd uh, put a voice on, uh, even though my own voice probably would su- suffice. In fact, I'm already already in the biz. I should just stick with being James Acaster and phone <laughs> them and not pretend to be somebody else. But instantly say that I've got a role for Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage famously takes any role. Um, a lot of his films are pretty <laughs> no, bad. Doesn't. So, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen his filmography? If he didn't take any role, then does come he? on, he'd do anything. <laughs> he, he, he would have done Mastermind with me that day if someone he's, had offered it to him. Well, he's got all those houses, hasn't he? Yeah. In fact, maybe I would. I, I would invite him on to Mastermind uh, and say that his special subject can be Nicolas Cage. Invite him on for that, and then uh, and then like at Belfast Airport, take just like. Get, get him, a, like, detain him at security. Yeah. And then when he's there all scared, just go in, pap a selfie with him, and so, then send him back on his way. I don't even work for Mastermind. Sorry, don't even I work for Mastermind. Bad that, mate. Oh, and obviously you throw it all in his face at the end, really taunt so him So you could hang it. around in Bath quite a lot. Do I? No, he. you could if you wanted to... Because to, to, to he lives there, doesn't he? Nicholas Cage lives in Bath? Yes. I was in Bath recently. What a dump. <laughs> Did you not see him? What a dump Bath is. <laughs> anyway, if anyone listening from Bath, your city is the ugliest city in, in all of Britain, and it's ugly, and we, we only tell you it's beautiful so that we can keep all the posh people together we don't have to see you, so that you all stay there together in Bath. What a dump. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Her acting chops have landed her nods from the BAFTAs to the Olivier's and her plate is fuller than ever, starring in the upcoming Channel 4 crime thriller Suspect and treading the boards in the rave-reviewed play The House of Shades. Our next guest is made of some seriously talented stuff. It's Anne-Marie Duff. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Anything but Duff, listen to these reviews. Here we go. Anne-Marie Duff is on spectacular form as the family matriarch in this century-spanning new play. Uh, Telegraph Beth steals new decades spanning epic chronicles how the party poisons its relationship with the working class Duff does Constance justice singing exquisite you're singing in this as well yeah I sing uh, quoting Bette Davis uh, with a swagger or sling uh, Duff is the soul of the play tart cruel funny desperate you crack on there Anne-Marie that's great isn't it it is I don't um, uh, I don't read reviews so that was quite painful but thank you for being generous and sharing positivity oh, we don't, we, don't <laughs> worry we wouldn't have mentioned them I mean that does happen and we don't really mention them if we ever <laughs> Mention reviews, and then they're always great. Uh, So let's talk about the play first, The House of Shades. What goes on? It's about a family in Nottinghamshire, and it spans from 1965 to 2019. It's a play about working-class people and how, you know, the domestic is the politic, you know, and so it's all about their lives, and it addresses big stuff that happens to real people. So Almeida Theatre, is that in Islington? Yeah, the it Almeida is, Theater. yeah. I think I've been there a few times. It's a beautiful theatre, isn't it? It's a gorgeous it? little theatre, I know. I'm yeah. so lucky. Almeida Theatre uh, in London, and it's on until uh, June uh, the 18th, which is a Saturday, almeida.co.uk for tickets. H- how do you find life in between performances from day to day? Because you have to behave, don't you? You do, and also I have to get up and get my kid to school. Yeah. and You've got all that going all on. All that stuff. And I can't, you know, when I was... 24 it was a very different story all of that but yeah. now i need my sleep you do. and i need to be with my friends were you working know. last night yeah okay what time did you get home well i rush home right because i used to think there was something wrong with me because i wasn't someone who wanted to go out all night and then i heard this gorgeous interview with hugh jackman where he said i think i think i'm a bit weird after a show i just want to go to bed yeah. and i was like thank god for that he's special that man he's so special oh my goodness me he did a podcast with um who was it tim ferris that's the podcast oh, that's the one it's I'm so good about. isn't it so beautiful and how he preps himself before he goes on stage yeah. and he, he he looks at the audience from the wings and he has a he gives himself a proper talking to doesn't he Anne-Marie yeah. and he reminds himself uh, how much effort these people have, have gone to to come to see him that night you know and you know how much they might earn or might not earn and you know and yeah. how much of their budget they've, they've, they've spent on these tickets and he never does he, he always gives it 110 doesn't he yeah and especially at the moment you know people if they're going to the theatre it's a big old choice at the moment isn't it for people mm. investing in theatre tickets so you do you want to really turn up for them yeah well well done congratulations and here's to you all who do that for a living but of course you also appear on the telly which is something else you're going to talk about now and this show is called Suspect coming soon to Channel 4 so you know I'm doing my prep for the show I'm doing my homework <laughs> doing more homework for the show than I did in my whole uh, school career uh, for anything to do uh, w- with uh, the school curriculum I'm doing my homework they send me episode 7 and I'm thinking, I was told this isn't on yet. It's soon to come to Channel 4. They haven't actually uh, decided on a date yet. Why the heck have se- they sent me episode 7? You know, I need to, I, I've got to interview Anne-Marie tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to guess what happened in the first six episodes, but there's a reason for that, isn't there? There is. This is a drama that's based on a, originally a, a Danish drama that is pretty much each episode is just two-handers, just two people, right. roughly. And uh, Jimmy Nesbitt, lovely Jimmy, plays the, the the male protagonist and he's in every episode. And the rest of us just come in for one solid show. 
So it's a bit like watching a piece of theatre in a way. So you just get to watch two actors really working with each other. Yeah, and it, it doesn't pull any punches, does it, at all? No, not at all. I mean, it's such a brave script. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. And Vassus, incredibly, also did some homework <laughs> towards the show for once. You watched it, didn't you? I did, I did. And it's sort of stayed with me. It's, I don't, I don't want to give too much yeah. away, but it's, it was so powerful and you are both so good. I think... This might be my favourite thing that Jimmy's done, actually. He's amazing in it. He's completely amazing in it. You know what? It. I was going to say exactly the same thing. I've never seen him, and he was—he worked so hard, you know. It was a bit like, you remember his performance in Bloody Sunday, you know, when he, you just forgot the, the Nesbit. Yeah. It's just, he's so beautiful in it. And um, But, yeah, I think this episode in particular, for any parent watching it, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. But it is brilliant, and the whole conceit of the show is brilliant. And... Um, yeah, I was dead, dead proud to be part of it. Because Jimmy's such an upbeat human being in real life, yeah. isn't he? And you, you, you know, sometimes you have to park that, you know, to, to watch him. But you don't. Hey, you just forget, don't you? Just yeah. it's like watching a, a different human being altogether. Yeah. Which I know is what actors do, but you can do it. To, I, I wonder how come. I wonder why he's 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 uh, so profound in this performance. It's hard to know, isn't it, whether it touched him on some level or whether yeah. we did have an amazing director, amazing Belgian director. Um, so. And actors just love to act, and maybe he just went, oh. Yeah, also, to be honest, you know, if you look at the cast and you look at other people who appear, you are bringing the best out uh, in each other. It's like the Beatles. They always said the Beatles were so good because there were four band leaders who decided to not have their own bands but all join up and form one. And it's not dissimilar when you get such quality, you know, um, in these two-handers. Let's look at who else uh, is in it. Jolie Richardson, Richard E. Grant, wow. Uh, Neve Argar, Sasha Dowen, Sam Ewan, Antonio Thomas, and our favourite... Ben Miller, he's our favourite. Is he? Yeah, we love Ben Miller. Okay, good yeah. to know. Um, anything else you want to say today? Um, oh, um, just uh, my brother, who you, we talked about last time I was yep. here, is doing well. And um, i got to give a little plug for Alzheimer's Society. Uh, so if anyone out there, it, not just a donation, but if anyone out there is dealing with it and coping with it, please call them for help and advice. They're, they're amazing. They've helped my mum and dad so much. So, I, I, yeah, just to plug that, I guess. You're awesome, Anne-Marie Duff. Thank you so much. Uh, suspect coming soon to Channel 4. Do not miss it. A fantastic cast. Um, eight uh, two-handers. There are you know, not just uh, two, two characters in each episode, but basically um, that's uh, that's sort of the nub of what's going on. And the House of Shades at the Almeida Theatre in London until 18th of June, Saturday. It has amazing reviews. So good, I could read them out to the person involved. And she didn't mind. <laughs> well done. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Poirot, Sherlock Holmes and 007. These are just some of the classic characters whose stories have continued thanks to our next guest. His latest book, With a Mind to Kill, is the last in his brilliant Bond trilogy and is out next Thursday. He's a master of words. He's shaken, not stirred. He's Anthony Horowitz. Good morning, Anthony. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. Lovely to see you. You look quite undercover yourself this morning. Uh, what are you referring to? The baseball it's hat? Just generally, um, you know. That because it was raining when I was coming here. Well, it was mainly it. You're looking very um, cool. Thank Thank you. Um, what a book. I uh, couldn't put it down yesterday. I started reading in the afternoon in the garden. I was still in the garden at quarter past nine last night. Oh, I'm so happy Seriously. to hear it. These are the early days. I always get very nervous in the week running out oh, of publication. Mate. Are people going to like it? It's it is fantastic is what it is. Um, I want to know so many things about this book and about you. I know we've talked before, but uh, this time around, how do you know all this stuff? So, for example, here we go, straight in. In death as in life, the Navy leaves nothing to chance. 
The Royal Navy Ceremonial and Drill, a drab-looking publication first printed in 1834, devotes no fewer than 11 pages to funerals with everything from the transport of the body to the firing party to the playing of the last post set down in carefully measured words. So, for example, the coffin will always be carried feet and foremost. <laughs> the Union Jack is to be placed over the coffin as though the upper left quadrant is over the left shoulder of the deceased. Funeral honours can be given to any officer or rating in active service at the time of his death, although special dispensations may be made provided that the burial ground is within reasonable distance and that no public expenses incurred beyond the value of the blank ammunition required. I mean, obviously you can research that, but how much of it do you know anyway? Well, I know a certain amount from Fuller's War. When I was doing the Fuller's War uh, TV series, I was researching all, you know, the, the war and post-war times, of which of course Bond comes out of, and so that sort of regulation you're just reading there. Very interesting, very much a, a sort of an Ian Fleming style opening, to start with <laughs> a sort of a piece of quite dry sort of legislature on how a funeral takes place in the Royal Navy. And I love all that stuff, and I love the fact that somebody in the Royal Navy has worked out that there will be a special dispensation for the cost of blank ammunition. Can you imagine a civil servant who worked out what a, what a, what a blank bullet costs and, and yeah. who should be charged? So I love all that stuff, but it comes in from, um, you know, just I've researched that period for, for years and years and of course there's always the internet. There are That book I'm referring to does exist. It's all out there and it's a question really of, of finding the material that makes you smile that gives, gives, you, you, know, makes, gives you a sort of sense of atmosphere and, and sets the context. Yeah, and it's not the only time blanks get a mention in the book is it oh don't give too <laughs> no, much away i know i know i know i know i, th- I think i know where to go and how far um, uh, where to tread uh, which where to you know uh, discern the thin ice from uh, the more stable ice as far as we can go without giving any plot spoilers away um it's interesting you the choices the fun choices you make in the book like um the fact that russian spies undercover at um at uh, very important funerals may actually choose um a hillman imp well, not only that, but a two-tone Hillman that's, that's a giveaway, isn't it? Yeah. Beige on grey. It can only be the Russians. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it's such a funny show. It made me well, giggle when I read you know, it. When you're going back into the 60s, okay. and so you're going to find a car that is absolutely classic for the 60s, yeah. but also you've got to try and think to yourself that if two Russians turn up at a, at a very, very sort of high-level funeral and don't want to be spotted, what is the car that is going to most draw attention to themselves? Yeah. So, you know, it's a sort, of an, a sort of an idiocy going on there. You think about those two poisoners in Salisbury, which wasn't very funny, but one thing that always did sort of bring half a smile to my face was how incredibly incompetent they were with their sort of you know their ways and that of course is very much sort of the Russian spying of the 1960s which is sort of menacing and sinister but at the end of the day not that bright right so you're James you know are you a student of Fleming or a disciple of him or or some something in between a hybrid maybe oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a total anorak when it comes to Fleming I think I mean I no actually Fleming entered my life when I was quite young about 10 11 I was at a really horrible boarding school the sort of place you got sent back in the 60s and and the f- discovery of the first book that I read Dr No around about the age of um I guess I was 11 years old it brought into my life everything that was missing it was there a sunlight decent food travel adventure excitement <laughs> women I mean it was all it was all there in the book it wasn't in my life and it was an absolute sort of lifeline for me to get through the day just to to read the books and to and to imagine myself in them to even believe that one day I might write them I and mean, it was a sort of an ambition from that age and um and all through my life you know from sort of you know Sean Connery to Roger Moore all the way through to Daniel Craig. The Bond films have just been such a big part of my, you know, of my cultural calendar, just, you know, looking forward every year to the next one, like, so like half the world, you know, half the world has seen a Bond film. Yeah, of course. Incredible. One of the things that used to turn me off, um, uh, one of the things that used to turn me off novels as a kid, or any kind of fancy fiction, was when it got too flowery, and it was all, they spent two or three pages describing the scene, that things, I get on with the story. Um, But of course, you, you sort of toe that line perfectly, 
Um, here we go. So here is a here's a passage from um, page thirty three, chapter four, and this is the description of um, a, a, an MI five uh, psychologist. Uh, the door opened and Tanner returned, followed by a man who hesitated in the doorway and seemed uncomfortable about even entering the room. Major Colin Cunningham was in his 60s, wearing a sports jacket with patches at the elbows, baggy corduroy trousers and a bow tie. He'd lost most of his hair and what few curls remained so awkwardly thin and colourless on his skull. His eyes blinked rapidly behind tortoiseshell glasses and Bond noticed an angry rash on one side of his cheek. He understood immediately that M had been, what M, M had been saying. Cunningham really did have the appearance of an absent-minded professor. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, it's all in there, isn't it? How long does it take you to write a, how many paragraphs does that start as to become that distilled, beautifully composed Oh, it's a, well, thank you for your kind words. Um, it didn't take that long, actually, to write that. I sort of saw him immediately. If Bond fans will know that Cunningham, CC, actually does appear in the James Bond books, although he's never been given a name. That was my my trick, to take a Bond, a Fleming character, and to bring him to life in that way. And when I read the James Bond books years ago and, and more recently, that was how I imagined that character. And when you talk about description, I'm exactly the same as you. I don't like books terribly, but spend two or three paragraphs setting up the scene. I'm, I'm always wanting to get straight to the action. So I, I, I tend to, when I'm thinking about it, I go for the sort of the giveaways, the hair, the patches on the jacket, the sort of the, the way somebody walks and you sort of I think that when we meet people we sort of form our opinions of them pretty fast and and I think that's what I try to do in my writing as well you know when you get to later chapters in the book one of my favorite chapters has um a fight in the Moscow underground and I could have spent three or four pages trying to capture what the Moscow underground was like in the 60s it was incredible instantly with sort of huge chandeliers and incredible decorations and everything but what I want to do is to get to the knife fight I want to get to the, the actual action and you know that comes from having written kids books for such a long time but also from the sort of things I love the film and the, and, the, and the books that I read, I love action. I, and, I, and I don't want to hang around with too much sort of, you know, beautiful language. Although I try to make the language as nice as possible. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favourite chapters in the book as well, because um, what you do there as an author, you dastardly talented human being, is that you, you let us know that there's a twist coming and you invite us to guess what the twist is. And then you, you say, hurrah, well done. You guessed the twist you thought I wanted you to <laughs> guess. And then you give us another one, you rascal. I love twists. I mean, it is something that I've always enjoyed doing because yeah. I mean, I write whodunits, and you, if you think about it, and whodunit always ends with a twist that actually the killer wasn't that person; it was this person. But the, this book has got a lot of twists in it. It's quite surprising for quite a shortish book how many times I managed to sort of slither and slip around readers' expectations. And I think that was a lot of the fun of writing it. Before we finish, is there anything you'd like to get out there about this book uh, with a mind to kill the brand new Bond adventure? Only that it's out in a week. It's my last crack at Bond. It's the end of the career of him, and I guess of me, and I just hope people who, who, who read it uh, enjoy it as much as you have, Chris. Well, I absolutely adored it. Thank you, Anthony Horowitz. Please come and see us again soon. I certainly will. Don't be a stranger. Anthony Horowitz with A Mind to Kill. It's out on the 26th of May, which I do believe is a week today. There Indeed. you go. Bada bada bing. Bada bada bond. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, we've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already, but still to come. Fantastic, funny guy Matt Ford has us hooked with the live show recording of his podcast, British Scandal. Aussie singer-songwriter Vance Joy delves deep into his beautiful single, Missing Peace. Professor Russell Foster reveals his top tips on sleep, fitness, health, and so much more in his mind-melting, amazing new book, Lifetime. It's already a number one bestseller. And owner of the Goodwood Estate, the Duke of Richmond, shares all the doggy details ahead of his first ever doggy festival, Goodwoof at Goodwood. Love it. So bring him on. Aussie Jane, who's next? 
our next guest pushes the boundaries of comedy and politics to the next level. His podcast series, British Scandal, pulls over the catastrophic, calamitous and comedic details of some seriously shocking, salacious stories. With a live episode at Islington Town Hall this Monday, making sure we're all across the juicy goss, it's funny man, Matt Ford. It is. Good morning, oh! Matt. How are you today? Really good, thank you. Here is really good. Nottingham Forest top. Oh! Shipstones. Shipstones fine beers. Fine beers. This is a 1989 replica. It's a classic. And the Shipstones still going. Do you know what? They closed down, but then the brand has been reborn. Has it? So Shipstones is back. And it tastes delicious. Uh, do you think Boris will be um, celebrating <laughs> a part of something he likes right, this I, morning? I thought the Honourable Member of might about this. I think it's, I think it's notable that uh, you, you, Captain Hindsight doesn't want to ask about Nottingham Forest. And they're fantastic running the place. And I'm sure the whole country would agree with me that you, you have to remain impartial. But I, I think I speak not only for Parliament, but for the monarch herself. When I say I hope Nottingham Forest smash Huddersfield a week on Sunday at Wembley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you think he's going to be feeling about the police finally closing the investigation with just one fine for the Prime Minister to do with Partygate? Well, I, I, I think, I, think I, 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 I want to pay tribute to the police, by the way, for doing a fantastic job. And, but, but, but also to, to you, Chris Evans, for uh, <laughs> highlighting the fact that one fine, I mean, come on, what is it? I mean, people have overdue library books and, and all sorts of things. I, and I'm sure you've done 35 and a 30 before or something like that. So you know, I, I think on the whole, I, I think I've been a pretty good boy and I, I think people agree that I should be allowed to carry on being the greatest Prime Minister this country ever had. Uh, what about Keir Starmer uh, nailing all his colours to the mass saying, you know, if I'm found uh, to to be um, justifiably fined for what I did under lockdown, I will resign as the Labour leader. You know what I've realised about Keir Starmer recently, actually? If you want to learn how to do a Keir Starmer impression, say the phrase, it's the way he says Metropolitan Police, the Metropolitan Police. <laughs> you cannot have, Chris, a situation where the Metropolitan Police <laughs> are investigating. There's always that staccato, sounds annoyed about everything. It's great to be here on the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with the Metropolitan <laughs> Police. He's sort of always slightly through gritted teeth. He always has a hand out there as well, physically, sort of, always slightly at an angle. But of course. Chris, want to pay tribute to the people who got us through the pandemic. The people on the Virgin Breakfast Show with Chris Evans, sponsored by Sky. You cannot forget that. There's always an earnestness there that's very sweet. You cannot forget that. You cannot forget that. Um, Now, your new podcast, which I hadn't heard before, and I listened to it because you're coming on the show. (laughs) I love the honesty of it. No, but Because you don't want to preach to the choir. You want to convert people. Totally agree. I am a complete convert. (gasps) Um, it's it's a British scandal and it's BS for short, <laughs> <laughs> which you do refer to. Yes, yeah. <laughs> along with your co. She's great, by the way. Oh man, I mean, Alice Levine is like broadcasting, podcasting royalty. Yeah, yeah. Working with her is incredible because, as you can probably guess, I'm slightly scattergun and like. I just get too excited. She is like professional. She's so funny. And so funny. She's I've never so worked with funny. anyone so talented. So just uh, for people who, who have no idea about this podcast, which I honestly didn't, just frame it for them if you don't mind. So we take a different scandal from British history. We yeah. do three or four episodes on it. What you'd call a deep dive. And 
I don't know how to explain these things. They sound like Hollywood blockbusters, like the, the, the audio production on them. So it's Alice and I talking through... Uh, so the new series is Jeffrey Archer. Which is unbelievable. We've done Litvinenko, uh, Nick Leeson, uh, oh, uh, Lucan. I mean, they're just incredible stories from history. We've just recorded Hatton Garden. Right. So these amazing... Some of them are really dark and sinister, but there's always a kind of comedic element. And... Uh, it's sort of it's on the borderline between documentary and drama. It's like it's a genre all of its own, and there's just loads of stuff you forgot at the time. Loads of stuff that's really funny. I, I, I almost can't. I've never worked on anything like this before. Yeah. But they when you listen back to it, they are. It's like listening to like a Hollywood trailer. Right, Matt. Uh, busy show today. That's all we've got time for. I love you to death. You know that. <laughs> I do love you to death. I love you too, mate. And the podcast show, London.com. Uh, you like a live podcast, don't you? Oh, you can't beat a live show. So what you do is you have a live show, you record it, it becomes a podcast. That's yeah. the deal, isn't it? Yes. So it's half past seven, and it's this Monday coming 23rd of May. What else would you like to say? I'd like to, so there's only about ten tickets left for that, so that is a special one-off episode. There'll be just one series in one episode. This is the most limited edition ticket oh. shout-out we've ever done. I know. Uh, the podcast show, London.com. Ten tickets left. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe they may have already gone. Who knows? There could be one left. What Get else, it now! What else would you like to say? I would like to say, Chris, that it's always a pleasure coming here. <laughs> Genuinely, Vassos. And also, what I want to say more than anything, yes. after COVID, after everything that's happened is, I just think the whole country needs to see night around. Nottingham Forest beating Huddersfield on Sunday the May the 29th. Yep. I think it's the story the world needs yep. is Forest back in the Premier League and I truly believe it's going to happen. Yeah, well, Vassos bigged up Southampton against Wickham. Sorry, Sunderland against Wickham over the weekend, but didn't really mention Wickham. You just said that they were like the they were like your Gary Neville impression. <laughs> he just has to mention Wickham because they're that's who Sunderland are playing against, but it's like so it wouldn't be great. Yeah, but you, you know Wickham are my local team. I know they're that. Four but miles they've, away. They've I'm just been gonna, I'm in the championship. In. I'm gonna get first... stick for this all weekend. They've, look because of you. I think Wickham are, are Happy enough in League One. Do you know what <laughs> yes. I mean? They, they've just, they, yeah, it is, isn't it? They, they've just been in the Shut championship. Up, you two. That didn't end well. This is this is yeah. Sunderland's game. Let like go like next weekend, it's Nottingham Forest's game, and I think even Huddersfield would accept that. I think so. <laughs> oh, and come to the political party live as well. I've got, in fact, I've got Gary Neville as a guest in June. So, just so you can study him. Yeah. Yes, Harry, yeah. Maybe so finally maybe sound a little bit like him. <laughs> I suppose somebody from generally around the northwest. <laughs> Just anyone, yeah. I mean, you were generally from around the northwest, right? I know, generally. But I don't sound anything like him, do I? Uh, right, Matt. Well done, pal. Cheers, mate. Y- you are the best, Matt Ford. Uh, I think you've been on the show more than any, almost more than us. Yeah. <laughs> and you're always welcome. Cheers, the podcast uh, showlondon.com and. Just check out this podcast, British Scandal, from wherever you get your podcast. It is fantastic. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's brought us the annual Goodwood Festival of Speed and soon he'll be swapping cool cars for canine content. Take yourselves for walkies to Goodwoof, the festival for your four-legged friends filled with behaviourists, barcore and architecture. Please curtsy and bow wow for the Duke of Richmond. Good morning, Charles. Hi, good morning, Chris. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. This is an idea that was waiting to happen for years. It's just that none of us um, thought of it. Who did in the end? Well, I think we've we've been thinking about it for a while. We've got um, lots of fantastic connections with dogs at Goodwood. We've got these beautiful kennels, and we've thought for a long time we've got to do it, and then someone came up with the terrible title Goodwood, and it kind of stuck, so there we are. <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious. All you've got to do is change the D, isn't it? It's so obvious, isn't it? Yeah, no, so there we, there we go, and it says it all. It's just a Chelsea Flower Show, 
and festival speed all together, all for dogs. Yeah, I love it. Goodwoof. It's the best ever title festival. Uh, right, so tell us about the history of Goodwood. Tell us about the kennels, first of all, because now that you can stay at the kennels. It's just by the golf course. What, what, where, how did that happen? What, did they, what purpose did they serve? Well, they were passionate about, you know, about their animals and their dogs and their horses in the 18th century. And they built uh, these very beautiful, this very beautiful kennels building for the dogs. And um, they put central eating in there 100 years before they put it in the house. So they were very, very, you know, they looked after their animals way better than their family. <laughs> right, now it's also going to be televised. So your inaugural Goodwoof is going to be on the telly on ITV. That's all great news. What could people expect if they pitch up with their pooch? Absolutely. Well, there's going to be so much, so much going on. There's going to be lots of activities they can take part in. Starters, they'll see the best people in the world doing sort of canicross, flyball, this dog, all, all that, all that stuff. There'll be lots about working dogs, seeing them in action. There'll be crazy things like Fido's Lido, Barkor, <laughs> fastest dog. Big celebration of Snoopy. Lots about health and well-being for you and your dog. Of course, really important both from a physical, and mental point of view. So, you know, you can do dog yoga with your dog, Pilates with your dog, guy lounge, watch telly with your dog, and have a lovely cocktail. And uh, just be, there'll be just, there'll be just hundreds of things going on, and just a celebration of of your dog. And and it's really all about the dog. It's not about the owner at all. So it's bring your dog and give him a lovely day out. Yeah, in many ways, the dogs are taking the owners. I mean, obviously, the owners have to to cough up the cash. But um, you know, you know about combinations of attractions at events like this, don't don't you? Because you know from the the various um, automotive events and other events you put on, you know how much retail people like, how how much sort of um, spontaneous shows people like, and and it is a question of you know getting all the plates spinning, getting the right number of plates spinning in the right places over the estate. So have you sort of taken, I know it sounds crazy, but can you use like, for example, a Festival of Speed or a Goodwood Revival blueprint uh, and uh, sort of adapt it to a paw print? Uh, amazingly, yes, I think you can. I mean, we've taken lots of lots of what we've learned from Festival of Speed, especially uh, uh, to this event. Uh, absolutely. And it's all outdoors for starters. Uh, from, from a pure technical point of view, there's lots we can take. And also from the content. And, you know, we're doing a whole sort of like a concord event for owner and dog, which is going to be fantastic. So lot, lots and lots, yeah. And it's, uh, it's been hugely helpful, actually. Right. We need, to, we need to big up the person who came up with the title Goodworth. Do you know who it was? Well, it might have been my wife, actually, yes. All right, okay, so it's down to hells, all right. So, Johnny, you'll have to pick her up. <laughs> all right, now, um, I, I think, I, haven't I stepped over your dog or dogs early in the morning? You have dogs. I expect you have. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we got spaniels. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you have done. Yeah. All right, pal. Yeah. And on many occasions. And yeah. You must also be uh, warming up on the back of this uh, for the Festival of Speed. We are, Chris. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, absolutely. Last weekend of June. Um, again, huge amount of set to celebrate their innovation. We've got lots of great drivers, cars coming all over the world. Um, no, it's going to be all the F1 teams will be there again. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a huge one. I think and everyone's so thrilled to be out of lockdown and all of that come together again and 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 spend time uh, having a fun time so yeah it's looking really 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 exciting and a huge one for us all right so new rules a uh, new season i saw you on the on the grid uh, in bahrain what do you think of the new cars um what do you know about uh, f1 that you could enlighten us to well i think it's, it's looking like a fantastic exciting season isn't it and the, and the new rules seem to have made it much m- m- opened opened it right up and god i mean it's going it's incredible. F1's just going absolutely crazy. I, mean, I wasn't in Miami, actually. My, my, my son was there, but I, I, I wasn't there. But it looked absolutely amazing. Were you there in Miami? No, I haven't been to a race yet. I've been invited, but yeah. I've not had time to go yeah. to one. I mean, I'd love to be going to Monaco um, in uh, the week, week after next. Spain this weekend, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, well, of course, what you do with the Festival of Speed is you time it, don't you? You wait for the calendar to come out and you time it so, the, so a lot of the F1 teams and the drivers can make your, your event. 
Exactly. Yeah, we can't. Uh, we absolutely don't ever clash with it because it plays such a big part. And just having all the all the people there, all, you know, all the people connected with with motor racing from around the world. And the festival is unique, really. It brings together you know, all genres, not just F1, but NASCAR, Indy, Rally. You know, everything all comes together at one moment, and we wouldn't want to leave F1 out of that. So um, it's important we get the date right. I wonder um, how exponentially the growth of Goodwolf is going to be compared to past events you've had. Because, you know, often events work and often events don't work. But when they do catch fire, um, there's sort of no holding them back. Um, and it's a beautiful part of the world to be for, for um, doggies and their owners. So what, what, what kind of numbers are you hoping for? Uh, well, we're, we're, you know, we're being realistic first year. We're, we're hoping for sort of 12,000, something like that. Um, so, you know, we, we've, got, we've got high hopes for it. And um, Tesla Speed, you know, we... We were looking at 2,000 that first year, 2,500 we told we'd get, and 25,000 people turned up and took us completely by surprise. So it was an amazing feeling. And um, you know, we hope the dogs are going to do the same and that it'll become a, a, a big annual event and something very special in people's calendars. I love it. Can people camp? Uh, yeah, they can come. Yeah, there's camping nearby. Camping, yeah, <laughs> camping with all the dogs. Because a lot of festivals <laughs> don't allow dogs, but of course, at a dog festival, you have to. I mean, you could you could bar humans, but you'd have to let the dogs in. No, well, the dogs absolutely, and we allow dogs everywhere at Goodwood. So obviously, having this great history of dogs and the kennels and the stables and everything. I mean, dogs are allowed in the hotel and everywhere. And um, so, but this this fest is all about the dog. We're expecting thousands and thousands of dogs. It's going to be that's going to be pretty extraordinary. Itself. I wonder. I wonder. You know, uh, the dog to human ratio. Because um, some people will come without dogs, I suppose, because they just love dogs, but maybe they don't have one, or they're in between dogs, or whatever. Uh, but if you're expecting twelve thousand people, um, that's at least if they bring a dog each. That's forty eight thousand legs, uh, furry legs. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention ours and yours, Charles. <laughs> right. Well, it's a good love. I'm so excited about it. I love the title. It makes a smile uh, whenever you hear it. And if it starts with a smile, it usually only gets better from there. So congratulations. Brilliant. Thanks so much. All right. You're awesome. Uh, Goodwood.com slash Goodwoof is where you need to go for tickets. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. His chart-topping, award-winning tunes have been on tons of TV oh, shows. Oh, stop it now. <laughs> including Home and Away and Neighbours. Too right, because this top Aussie bloke is no joke. Here with Missing Peace from his upcoming album, In Our Own Sweet Time, live and acoustic from our stool of rock, please say good day to Vance Joy. Good day, Vance Joy. Good day, good day. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> Here we go. Missing Peace. Let's do it. All right. Because when I'm in a room with you, Missing pieces found You know when you're by my side, darling Nothing can bring us down Oh, it's like when you're far away from me I get lost in the crowd Come wow. on, that was, wow. that was great, mate. Oh, thank you, Chris. That's so cool. Were you ready to play Clarity or Missing Peace then? Uh, I was ready for either, and I, <laughs> and I thought, that's a good one for the morning. It's not quite as high, and yeah, good, good charging right, tune. So Clarity's the new single. Yes. Uh, yes. Missing Peace was the last single, and it's yes. from the brand new album. And the brand new album is entitled In Our Sweet Time. And um, fans wrote it in lockdown, and he says, of, or has said of his album, fueled by old pals written in the pandemic, new memories and finding love in a not-so-hopeless place, the album centers on the idea of creating a life and a world with someone and you look at the titles of the songs and you get all that a missing piece obviously mm. uh, it does what it says on the tin don't fade solid ground uh, catalonia and um, why catalonia is that where it all happened yeah i was i was living in uh, barcelona and i kind of uh, moved over there to live with my girlfriend last year during the the lockdowns and during covid and um 
yeah, I got inspired to write a song about it. Every side of you, Clarity, Waveland, Boardwalk, looking at me like that. Um, this Looking at me like that's a great title, isn't it? Um, but that can mean many things, because it could be the death stare. <laughs> if you've done something wrong, couldn't it? Um, this one and Daylight, also gorgeous. So when you when you first came onto the scene, as they say, um, you were you were signed up, you were snapped up with a five-album deal. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about that? Is that? I mean, obviously, it's a testament to how much they wanted you, but that could go either way, couldn't it, a five-album deal? Yeah, yeah. That was a, I felt like a little bit of pressure, especially coming out of the gates with my song Riptide. I was like, okay, five albums. I'm going to... And I remember like in the first meeting, it was like, can we have like just five more hits and then we'll be good? And I was like, okay. And uh, But I just kept my head down, kept writing songs. And it's just, you know, the songs keep coming, even during COVID and lockdowns and stuff. The songs kept coming along. Yeah, and the pressure, you know, pre- the right kind of pressure works, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, there's positive pressure and there's negative pressure. It's like when Seinfeld um, and uh, um, Seinfeld and Curbs guy... Larry David. Larry David, yeah. Thank you very much, fans. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> uh, Larry David uh, came up with the pilot for Seinfeld, and it was 23 minutes long. And they said, and, and uh, CBS said, yes, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll have um, 23 more of those a year for the next 11 years. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> is that how this TV thing works? Uh, which is why, in the end, uh, they just sort of had to stop doing it. You're playing on Sunday in Coco. It's sold out. We've got a um, website for tickets here, but it's sold out, Coco in Camden. Have you played Coco before? Never been there, no. Oh, Oh my goodness me it's one of the best venues ever okay it's legendary it used to be called the camden palace i've been there so many times i saw prince there once playing an after show so wow. i went to watch him at wembley and then he plays his own party because he can't you know he but he, lo- he just loved playing mm. and he went on stage about half past midnight um and we knew there was going to be an after show and the after show was in camden palace and we were all invited there but we just thought it'd be, you know it'd be a party with didn't didn't even think there'd be a live band let alone prince playing a longer gig at this after show than he did at wembley arena and it went off wow. and his drummer cat i think she was called cat um, it was her birthday so they went i think it was like four or five o'clock we got out of there not that any of us minded at all but it's also wow. in Camden. Have you been to Camden before? I have been, yeah, 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 yeah. See, if I had a gig in Camden on Sunday at Coco, I find it very hard to be well-behaved before <laughs> that in Camden. It's just the best place ever, isn't it? I love yeah, Camden yeah, so, yeah. so much. Um, how, where have you, you know, when have you been there before? What did you get to do? Um, I've, I've just been here, like, a few times. It's been, like, a, like it's been over four years since I've been in, in London. So right. Welcome um, back. It's great to be back, you know, and it's all you know, coming back to me, like the touring thing. I haven't, I've played like one show last week. It's been two and a half years. So, um, and also, you know, my girlfriend's here. I feel like I'm on holidays, but I'll try to be behaved so I can actually sing on Sunday night. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> this is your worldwide smash. Here we have Vance Joy with us live today and Riptide. Here we go. Lady running down to the Riptide Taking away to the dark side I want to be your left hand man I love you when you're singing that song And I got a lump in my throat Cause you're gonna sing the words wrong Very strong, very strong this morning And he went for the finger picking too Didn't chicken out of that, did you? No, no, that's that's well drilled now. Good vibes, man. Uh, Marie Whitehouse says, Great hearing Vance this morning. Vance Joy Gig at Ali Pally was my partner and I's first date back in October 2018. Oh, beautiful. Which is probably the last time you were here. It was, yeah. I'd imagine. Things have progressed and we now have a two-year-old and a bump on the way. Bada, bada, boom. Julian Downton, OMG, Vance Joy. Uh, first song this morning, Missing Peace, reminds me of dancing around the kitchen with my then eight-month-old granddaughter. She brought a family together in more ways than I can explain. She is our missing piece and Ebony is her name. That's what music's oh. for. Oh, isn't it? It's beautiful. 
Music is what feelings sound like. All <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, right, so you are gigging uh, this Sunday. Vance Joy is gigging this Sunday at Coco and Camry. You can't go. Well, you can go, but you'll have to sort of uh, put a cup against the wall because it's sold out. However, you have announced it. You're very organised. You've announced one gig for yeah. next April. <laughs> yes, yes, all planned out. <laughs> Another gig. Uh, so where's that going to be? That's going to be at the Apollo. Apollo. The, oh, the events of Apollo. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And tickets available for that now because he's a very organised young man, this guy. Uh, VanceJoy.com and um, uh, VanceJoy. Not your original name. Cool. Cool name though, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a stage name that I picked up uh, about you know before I started. But um, my real name's James. But Vance Joy, cool name out of a book. Really? Yeah, yeah. Why the heck not, Vance? Have a lovely Friday. Have a great gig on Sunday. Thank you, Chris. A real pleasure to meet you. L- likewise, legend. Thank Cheers, you. pal. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. If there's anything a brekkie show needs, it's a super smart neuroscientist with several salient sleeping suggestions. Thankfully, there's one here in this room. His book, Lifetime, The New Science of the Body Clock and How It Can Revolutionise Your Sleep and Health, is out this Thursday with the circadian rhythm of the night. It's Russell Foster. Good morning, Russell. Uh, good morning, Chris. So, the wise um, late-night owl meets the uh, barking mad early birds. How's this going to go, I wonder? Indeed, yeah. I'm, 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 now I'm, I'm okay. As I've got older, yes. of course, I've got more of a morning type. But as a student, I was really quite a late type. Right, so the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health. How come it's a relatively new science, considering it's been around for as long as we have? Well... It's a good point. I mean, what's happened over the past 20 years, the Nobel Prize, of course, was given in 2017 for understanding the molecular mechanisms that generate this 24-hour oscillation, this internal clock within. And it is incredible. I mean, it's the best example we have of how genes encoding their protein products, those proteins interact, and then generate a 24-hour oscillation. But in parallel with this extraordinary science, you've got the realisation that these clocks are impacting upon every aspect of our life, whether it's our ability to generate a sleep-wake cycle, our memory consolidation, our processing of information, our metabolism, you name it, those clocks are involved. And that's been the revolution. It's the realisation we've got to embrace this biology and use it to enhance our sleep and our health. And ignore all this at your peril and embrace it at your fortune. Yeah, absolutely. Why why don't we do it more? I think there has been Um, a tradition of marginalising sleep. Sleep is for wimps, Um, it's an indulgence, it's a luxury, and it may go back to sort of the old Protestant work ethic, because work is virtuous. And and, and of course, when you're asleep, you can't work, and therefore sleep, by definition, is not virtuous. And I think there's there's that sort of baggage. And it's sort of... uh, uh, you know, it's 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 the way that we've structured our, our industrial society. Um, and in a sense, many elements of the workforce have been bludgeoned into submission. Yeah, and it's really not good for us. And we continue to sort of swim against our natural tide. Like mealtimes, for example. Speak to mealtimes, please, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, it's fascinating because, uh, you know, we, we tend to have our main meal at the end of the day. And that's, again, a, a part of the, the way we've, we've structured our lives. You know, the, the commute home, the end end of the day that's when we eat but in fact in the pre-industrial era it was breakfast and lunchtime in the medieval era that's when all the feasts were they were our lunchtime and that has that's really important to appreciate because our ability to process food and glucose for example is much more efficient during the first half of the day during the second some really interesting experiments had individuals on calorie restriction 
And one group had it their, their calories in the morning to lunchtime and the other group lunchtime to evening. And the lunchtime to evening lost far less weight than those uh, on the morning uh, side. So, so it, it, it impacts, you know, upon our ability to process And glucose. we've allowed it to be pushed later and then you couple it with the, the slowing of metabolism and the cal- calories in the afternoon literally count double to calories in the morning. We've yeah. had somebody else talking on about that and that is a thing. That is a true, true thing. Mm. Um, and then you 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 sort of compound that with the kind of foods we're eating yeah. and the addictive qualities of those foods or, or not qualities what things that take away from our well-being salt oil and sugar of course being the three main um sort of uh, villains in that particular scenario and um our decision tree becoming less and less um easy to resist because tempta- yeah. we fall to temptation the more tired we get yeah. and you have this recipe for disaster which is happening on a daily basis and we seem to be doing nothing about it what should we, what can we do about it individually and also as, as a race? I think we've got to get this educational message out. I mean, I mean, I think a really clear example of this is in night shift work. If you look at night shift workers, they're at high risk of obesity, diabetes 2, metabolic problems, you know, generally. What do we provide in terms of food opportunities for our night shift workers? It's high fat, it's high sugar. Now, why nobody has actually developed a protein-rich, easy-to-digest food for the canteen to enhance, you know, uh, individuals' health on the night shift work? It, it, it just, it's just crazy. It just hasn't been done. But there's a market um, out there. And, yeah. you know, we are seeing the green shoots uh, of more wellness and well-being. You know, uh, again, um, in the interest of, of, you know, big food, um, because they've got, they have to make it profitable and that will drive... If they can make money out of it, that will drive change. And if we stop buying the rubbish stuff, they will have to change, yeah. which is good. Yeah. That's all, that's all great. Um, what about different times to exercise to do with our circadian rhythm? Well, that's a little bit complicated. So... We have this, yeah. We have this sort of uh, uh, different metabolic state. So, so during the daytime, we're taking in calories and we're burning them. Yeah. Um, but at nighttime, of course, we're relying on stored calories, which we then um, mobilize and then burn. And so, there's two options here. Um, if you exercise before breakfast, mm-hmm. you're still on nighttime metabolism, so you're burning stored fat. You're burning, uh, you're burning stored calories. Right. However, our ability to exercise improves throughout the day to the late afternoon early evening so uh, exercising at that time means you'll have um, a great greater power uh, a greater greater uh, ability to exercise so you have an option if you're a morning person and, and you're comfortable with this then you could um, have your exercise bout uh, before breakfast or uh, somebody like me you'd have your exercise bout um, in the late afternoon uh, and early evening uh, and that's when I can actually do more exercise more efficiently and burn more calories yes. so, so, so many people for example have a dual thing they have a, a 10 or 20 minute pre-breakfast and then a, then a, a 30 40 minute um, you know on their elliptical or whatever uh, later on in the day Uh, Thanks very much, Russell. You're awesome. The book, once again, Lifetime, the new science of the body clock. It's amazing and how it can revolutionise your sleep. Now, thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Russell. See you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.